Thank you, Rachel. Just uh, such a blessing how God puts together everything in ways that I never thought or knew. And uh, uh, so good this morning uh, here in our, in our service, the songs. And thank you, Brother Luke, and thank you, Miss Rachel, uh, for that. And uh, just, uh, boy, uh, in your heart touched by what we just uh, witnessed in that, uh, in that presentation. And uh, I know we've shown it here before. Uh, but I, I don't think I could ever watch that enough uh, just to see the sacrifice uh, that has been given. Uh, let's turn to the book of Daniel this morning, chapter number 9, Daniel chapter number 9. And uh, I want you, as you find your place, if you're able to stand with us, we're going to read a portion of God's Word here this morning, Daniel chapter 9. And um, want to begin here uh, so that you can just get the context and then we'll preach through the chapter uh, here this morning, Daniel chapter 9. Uh, verse number one, and it reads, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. And I set my face unto the Lord God, to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love Him and to them that keep His commandments. And here is kind of the heart of Daniel's prayer. We have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled, even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. Now, understand that Daniel is praying in the context of his nation. And in that context, as he voices this prayer to God, there's some really tremendous principles and lessons that, as I think about my nation, that need to apply here to us today. So I want to learn from this prayer of Daniel this morning. And uh, I, I hope and I pray that God will raise up some Daniels that will make a difference. Uh, if you'll join me this morning, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you. You've been so gracious, so good to us this morning. Thank you for the privilege to stand in this pulpit and preach the word of God. Lord, we ask your help and guidance this morning. Lord, I am always mindful that you know each and every heart. And Lord, there's somebody here today that you brought here, not by accident, somebody that you've been knocking on their heart. And Lord, I pray today the courage that they would simply call out to you, truly be born again. Lord, there's somebody here today that may be just a bit discouraged, and I pray that you might help even through the life of Daniel. Uh, to show some strength and comfort and courage this morning. Lord, help us as we preach. We ask your power. We ask your words. We ask your direction. We ask most of all that you would be uplifted and exalted today. We pray in the precious, wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. And you may be seated this morning. And uh, just point out a couple of things here before we really delve into the message this morning. And, and I think it's evident as you study the life of Daniel that Daniel was uh, a patriot. Daniel loved his nation. He loved Israel. He knew 
really the miracle of Israel and the blessing of God that had come upon his nation. Uh, but at this particular time, uh, Daniel is burdened for his nation, and his burden turned, as we read, to fasting and to prayer. Daniel chapter 9 is, is that illustration of that burdened, broken prayer uh, of a man of God for his nation. Uh, the principles of Daniel chapter 9 this morning are principles that we need for our nation, for our families, for our churches across America. And as you all know, July 4th tomorrow is known as Independence Day. And I think in our current atmosphere, we often forget uh, what that is all about this morning. Uh, it's the day when 56 men uh, pledged their lives, their fortunes, their sacred honor. And as they said, to preserve and protect the freedoms they felt were their God-given unalienable rights for all people. And these men, in signing that Declaration of Independence, knew, knew that they were putting all on the line. Uh, you study the history of those men, many of them sacrificed dearly. Uh, five of them were captured and tortured by the British until they died. Uh, Twelve had their homes uh, ransacked and burned. Uh, two lost sons in the Revolutionary War, and nine fought in that war and died. So it was a great sacrifice that was given in the signing of that declaration. But we can look back now, 246 years after that declaration, and we can see the blessings of God and how this nation has known unprecedented religious freedom. We've known unprecedented wealth and blessings. This nation has sent more missionaries to the uttermost parts of the world than any previous nation in history, at one point, 95% of the world's preachers preached here to 5% of the world's population. Uh, many and most in America have had the opportunity of hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's a, a privilege that not everybody across the world has known, and it's because of sacrifice of men. Now, Daniel could say many of the same things about his nation. As he looked back, he could see the hand of God, he could see the hand of blessing, he could see that God had been good. And Daniel chapter 9 is Daniel's prayer, it's his brokenness for a nation that had rejected God's blessings and departed from God's blessings. Now, uh, the context here of Daniel chapter 9, uh, Israel had turned from God. Uh, they despised God's goodness. They despised God's prophets. Those of you marching through the book of Jeremiah with us in our adult Sunday school class, uh, you'll see some of this context as Jeremiah the prophet called his nation to repent and to turn from idolatry back to God, but that nation rejected. And God warned of judgment. They refused to repent. God sent Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonians against Israel. Uh, many were killed in the streets of Jerusalem. Others were scattered to nations surrounding Jerusalem and Israel, and some were taken captive into the land of Babylon. And one of those was Daniel that wrote this book. He was among the captive. And Daniel, as you read through chapter 1 and the early years of his life, he loved the Lord. And I love Daniel chapter 1, verse number 8, where it reads, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's good and over the wine which he drank. We read of Daniel, that vow, that purpose in his heart, because he loved the Lord more uh, than he loved his own life. 
and he gave a sacrifice in that. Now Daniel lived in the land of Babylon as a captive. He was made to be a eunuch. He would never have children. He's been there now 70 years when we come to Daniel chapter 9. Now Babylon has been conquered by the Medes and the Persians, and at this particular time it's the first year of Darius, the king of the Medes, the king of the Persians. Now as Daniel pins chapter 9, he's an old man. And as this old man, I want you to look at chapter 9, verse number 2. It says, In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. And so at this point in Daniel's life, he realizes that God's 70 years of chastening for Judah has come to an end. That 70 years of captivity prophesied by Jeremiah the prophet, uh, that is now concluded. And that's the context uh, right here of our passage. And there are so many applications that come to us as Americans, that I want to make this morning. And as I mentioned earlier, may God raise up some men and some women, some young men, some young women, with the hearts of Daniel for our nation. I want you to look in Daniel chapter 9, verse 3. If you'll read this with me again, uh, you'll see Daniel's brokenness for his nation. Daniel says, at this point, I, I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer, supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Now, it's really evident here, Daniel carried a deep burden in his heart. As we mentioned, God had been good to Israel. So many miracles had come to that nation, but Israel had turned from God. They were reaping the just consequences of that departure from God. And here Daniel sets himself to seek the face of the Lord. Now, I want you to keep your place here in Daniel chapter 9. I want you to go with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Daniel, no doubt, as he seeks the face of God, has this passage of Scripture in his mind. It's the dedication of Solomon's temple. And the Lord appears to Solomon by night as this temple has been dedicated to the Lord. And God said to uh, Solomon... In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13, God said, If I shut up heaven, that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, here is God's promise, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land." And so Daniel knew of this promise from God, and so here's Daniel fasting and praying with a burdened, broken heart for his nation, and he's no doubt remembering this promise given to Solomon the king at the dedication of the temple. Now, also, if you would go with me to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, it's quoted for us in Daniel chapter 9 and verse number 2. And uh, here is another passage that Daniel would remember as he's praying to the Lord. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse number 10. Jeremiah 29, verse number 10. For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you in causing you to return to this place. 
For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall you call upon me, you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and you shall seek me and find me, when you shall search for me with all your heart. And God said, I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity, and will gather you from all the nations, from all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord, and I will bring you again to the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. Now Daniel is putting these scriptures into practice here in Daniel chapter 9. And he says in verse 3, I set my face unto the Lord God. After all of these years of captivity, Daniel was not bitter. Uh, he still loved the Lord as much at this point as he loved the Lord in Daniel chapter 1 when he was first taken captive. And he's been through many things in the land of Babylon. And after all of these years, he still seeks the face of God. And he said, I set myself to seek by prayer and supplications. Here's this man of prayer with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. He's humbling himself as has been exhorted in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and Jeremiah chapter 29. He's humbling himself before God to seek the face of God. It's a prayer of brokenness. Now, it seems to me on this Independence Day 2022, this is the need for our nation. Some men and women and boys and girls that would seek God's face, that would pray, that would intercede, that would fast and humble ourselves to humbly turn from sin to the living God. That We understand that our nation is on the verge of losing all as did Israel before us. And so here's Daniel's brokenness for his nation. Go back to Daniel chapter 9, and in verse number 3, there's a statement in that brokenness, there's Daniel's prayer for his nation. He says in verse 3, I set my, my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer. In verse number 4, he said, I prayed unto the Lord my God. And so here's Daniel seeking the Lord in prayer. Now, I believe Daniel had unique insight into the spiritual realm. I think as Daniel's praying for his nation, he understood there were spiritual forces that were at war for his nation. I think as you move forward to Daniel chapter 10, that, that becomes very clear. Look in Daniel chapter 10 and verse number 2. Daniel says, In those days I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine, into my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all, till three whole weeks were fulfilled. And here's Daniel again praying for his nation. He's fasting. He's, uh, we call this the Daniel fast. He ate no pleasant uh, meat and uh, probably no sugars and things like that. And for three weeks, Daniel's seeking the face of God. But there's something interesting that comes forth in verse number 12 at the end of three full weeks. Uh, here is the angel coming and appearing to Daniel. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand, to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. But he says, The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days, but lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now, understand something, as Daniel prayed, there's a spiritual war that is taking place. It's a war 
for Israel. It's a war for his nation. And Daniel's prayer life had an impact into that spiritual realm, into that spiritual warfare. And I think Daniel had a unique concept of that. And uh, here's the thought this morning. If we could see and understand the power of prayer in the spiritual realm, it would completely change our prayer life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, understand something. There's a war right now. It's a battle that is raging right now. Last week, we preached out of Revelation chapter 12, and we talked about a war that is in heaven, but that war dates back all the way to Satan's rebellion, and then to man's disobedience in the garden garden in Genesis chapter 3 and we have a war that has been ensuing a war between God a war between Satan and that war has continued on through the ages until we come to our place in history and I believe that Satan knows his time is short and so Satan is at work to destroy the souls of men to destroy God uh, God's work in the lives of men Uh, Satan is at work today to seek to keep men from being saved to keep men from hearing the gospel and to keep those that are saved from giving the gospel and so here is Daniel he's praying he's seeking the Lord in the midst of that uh, he's understanding the spiritual war And as we say the spiritual war is raging, I'm going to be preaching over the coming weeks about the spirit of Antichrist that's at rage or at work in our world today. And our world today is being prepared for a coming Antichrist. There is a spirit of deception, a spirit of strong delusion. I'm seeing major delusion, major deception, and most Christians today have of what's happening in our world. There is a battle right now. There is a war that is raging right now. And most Christians are oblivious to what's taking place. And many are being defeated, destroyed, and neutralized. And they don't even know that they're at war today. We're at war. And a war is raging for this nation. I think if we could understand there are the princes of the power of the air Uh, that are battling, if we could see over our Supreme Court today, I I think we could see a war that's taking place. If we could see into the legislative branches and into the executive branches of our government, we would see that Satan is using men and pawns uh, to accomplish his purpose. And the news media today with misinformation, entertainment of our day, there's a war, deception today, and multitudes of God's children are caught in the midst of the deception. It's a war that rages for our nation. It's a war that rages for your family. See, we're in a day of nominal, lukewarm Christianity, half commitment, and it's not going to cut it. When you're at war, it's everything or nothing. And a lot of Christians are in a nominal state, and they don't know that they're at war, and it's not going to cut it in homes and children are being destroyed in the midst of this war as this battle is raging. 
And there's a war that rages for your soul. And if you're not saved, Satan will do all in his power to keep you blinded to the truth of the gospel. Uh, He will do all, if you do know the Lord, to nullify your testimony and your witness for Christ. And uh, let me just uh, throw out an advertisement. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to give some of the most critical messages that I've ever given uh, here at Valley Bible. Church, I think we're at a unique time in history, and it's a time when we have got to understand there's a war, a battle that's raging, we've got to wake up. Many are going to be victims of the strong delusion. And if you don't understand this power of prayer and the steps that can be taken, you're going to be shipwrecked, your family will be shipwrecked, your children will be shipwrecked, and you're going to wonder what happened. There's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so we've got some crucial principles that we've got to share. Now Daniel recognized the place in history of his nation. And he had spiritual insight into that war. And he's fighting in that war here in Daniel chapter 9 with spiritual weapons. And that is such a need today. Those that will grasp the power of prayer in the spiritual realm and will make an impact as did Daniel into that spiritual realm for our nation, for our families, for our children, uh, for our grandchildren. Uh, what, a, what an impact, what a, an importance. Daniel's prayer for his nation. And look in chapter 9, verse number 5. Here's Daniel's confession for his nation. Here's Daniel's prayer, it's confession of sin. He says in verse 5, We have sinned. I think this is interesting. We. Here's Daniel, a man of God. It's not his fault that his nation has been taken captive. But Daniel is including himself in this prayer. He has walked with God. He's been faithful to God. But it says we have sinned. If you go forward to verse number 15. He says, And now, O Lord, our God, that has brought thy people forth out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, has gotten thee renowned as at this day. We have sinned. We have done wickedly. And then you go back to verse number 6, and he begins to name some of this sin. In verse 6, he said, Neither have we hearkened to thy servants, the prophets, which spake in thy name to our kings, our princes, our fathers, and to all the people of the land. He said, we, we did not listen to your prophets. That's the book of Jeremiah. He says in verse number 10, Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in His laws, which He said before us by His servants, the prophets. He said, we did not listen. We did not follow. We did not obey. We have sinned. And now there's this confession of God's justice in verse 7. He says, O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee. He said, Lord, you're you're God, you're right. But unto us confusion of faces, as at this day, to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, to all Israel that are near, that are far off, through all the countries whither thou hast driven them, because of their trespass, that they have trespassed against thee. O Lord, to us belong confusion of face, to our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. See, he is saying, Lord, we have received our just reward. He's describing the state of confusion, sure describes America. Sin will bring a nation 
or a family or an individual to confusion. Sin will bring you to a place that you come so far from God, you wonder where did God go, and you become so blinded and disoriented that no longer can you see. And what Daniel is saying, that's where we are as a nation. We are confused and we're rightfully there because, Lord, we didn't obey you or follow you. Years ago, I heard the story of a man that was fishing. He was alone. It was kind of, I think, fall weather, and it was getting to be just a little cool, but things were fine until he fell into the water. It was cold water. It was a river, a creek. And uh, the water filled his waders, and uh, then he chilled down, and hypothermia began to set in. And he became disoriented. He became confused. And uh, he just unknowingly, why? But he began to remove his clothes and began to remove his shoes. And uh, they found his body. Uh, he had wandered far from his car and made no sense at all. What had happened? Confusion. He was disoriented. That's what sin does. And that's where our nation is headed. That's what Daniel saw of his nation. Uh, you know, the problems that we're really facing, they're not that difficult. It's just a matter of common sense. It's a matter of the principles of God's word, but there's such a state of confusion that men have lost sight of God. And Daniel then expresses, because of our sin, we face God's judgment. Look in verse number 12 of Daniel 9. It says, He hath confirmed His words which He spake against us and against our judges that judged us by bringing upon us a great evil. For under the whole heaven had not been done as it had been done upon Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil has come upon us. Yet may we not our prayer before the Lord our God, that we might turn from our iniquities and understand thy truth. Therefore hath the Lord watched upon the evil and brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all his works, which he doeth, for we obeyed not his voice. Well, what Daniel recognizes is all that we endured, all that we God is just, and God was right in it. We received our just due. Now, I'm thinking this morning, uh, may God raise up some people with the heart of Daniel. Coming before the Lord, we have sinned. God's been good to us, but we've wandered from our foundations. And confessing God's justice, and we grieve over what we see taking place. We grieve over the blatant sin and thank the Lord for the recent Supreme Court decision on the Roe versus Wade. Thank the Lord for that. But you notice the battles that came out of that decision. Uh, the sexual perversions, the apathy, the laziness, the entitlement mentality, the addictions of our society, and we grieve over what we see. And we understand that God is just and, and that God is the one that allows corrupt leadership and uh, feeding our nation with lies and propaganda and deceptions and corrupt uh, things uh, taking place before us. We, we understand that. May God raise up some Daniels with a heart of confession. There's Daniel's confession for his nation. Now, as Daniel prays, Notice Daniel's intercession for his nation. He pleads for God's mercy. Go to verse number 9. And I like this statement. He states in verse number 9, To the Lord our God belong mercies and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against Him. In verse number 16, 
Verse number 16. He says, O Lord, according to all thy righteousness, I beseech thee, let thine anger and thy fury be turned away from thy city, Jerusalem, thy holy mountain, because for our sins, for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and thy people are become a reproach to all that are about us. And so he's pleading God's mercy. You know, as I read through the prayer of Daniel, it reminds me of Psalm 85, and we'll not turn there this morning for the time, but Psalm 85, the psalmist prays, and he said, Wilt thou not revive us again, O Lord, according to thy righteousness? And he says, Show us thy mercy. And he's uh, pleading to God for revival, and uh, what a need for our nation today. And so he pled for God's mercy. Go to verse 17. As Daniel intercedes for his nation, he pleads for God's favor. In verse 17, Now therefore, O our God, hear the prayer of thy servant, his supplications, cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. Let me just insert here. You know, in your life, you need God's favor. You need God's face. In your family, you need God's favor. You need God's face. Here as a church, we need God's favor. We need God's face. I don't want to play church without the presence of God. I want every time we meet, I want the favor of God. I want the presence of God. And that's what Daniel is praying for his nation. We're desolate right now. Lord, we need your face. We need your favor. He says in verse number 18, Oh my God, incline thine ear, hear, open thine eyes, behold our desolations and the city which is called by thy name. For we do not present our supplications before thee for our righteousness, before thy great mercies. O Lord, hear, O Lord, forgive, O Lord, hearken and do, defer not for thine own sake. O my God, for thy city and thy people are called by thy name. He's saying, Lord, for your name's sake, would you have mercy? Lord, for your glory, would you have mercy? We're called by your name. Lord, would you glorify your name for your mercies? That's the prayer. That's the pleading of Daniel for his nation. That's really an outline for us to pray. For our nation, for our families, for our children, for our church. We're not worthy, as Daniel acknowledged. Lord, we have nothing within us that... You should give favor, but Lord, you're merciful, you're gracious, and God desires to glorify his name. And that really ought to be our prayer. Remember, years ago, there was a pastor who had six children, and his children were older at that time. They loved the Lord. And I remember asking this pastor, I said, Pastor, how, how, uh, give me some secrets. Uh, I was just married, didn't have any children at that time. Give me some secrets. What, what could you say? He said, one little word. He said, grace. He said, I messed up so many times. But he said, God was merciful. God gave me what I didn't deserve, God's grace. I took that to heart with my own family. There's Daniel's intercession for his nation. And then the chapter concludes with Daniel's discernment. See, God heard Daniel's prayer. God gave to Daniel great insight. I, I want you to skip to verse number 20. And uh, Daniel says, whilst I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplications before the Lord God, for the holy mountain of my God, 
Yea, whilst I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision of the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplications the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved, therefore understand the matter and consider the vision." And so God gave to Daniel great insight, and in the next verses through the end of the chapter, an amazing prophecy for Daniel's nation uh, concerning Israel. Uh, God there in the next scriptures indicated the very time of the Messiah. Uh, had the Jews been alert, they would have recognized the very day that their king would enter into Jerusalem on that donkey to present himself as the king. But they were blinded to this prophecy of Daniel. Uh, God, in this prophecy, indicated His purpose for His nation. In verse number 27, God says to Daniel through Gabriel, He shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst, and he's speaking here of an antichrist, in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice, the oblation to cease. For the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate even unto the consummation. And that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Now what God is saying through God is not finished with Israel. Daniel's recognizing Israel's going to go through a lot of difficulties. There'll be the tribulation. There'll be the Antichrist. There'll be the abomination of desolation. These are all things we're dealing with out of the book of Revelation. But all of this was necessary to bring about their repentance. Notice in verse 24, he says, Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people, upon thy holy city. He's talking about Jerusalem, Israel. To finish the transgression and to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision, the prophecy, to anoint the most holy. Uh, what God said there would be a period of 70 uh, seven, uh, 70 times 7 years, 490 years. All of this would bring about the repentance of that nation. Uh, there would be difficult days, but it would have a purpose. And that nation would go through Babylon and Persia and Greece and Rome and then an Antichrist. Uh, but here God gave Daniel discernment that he was still at work with his nation. That's where I'm going morning. We need God's discernment for our nation for our church, for our families. See, when Daniel penned this, it was a time of great confusion. We need to see God in the midst of the confusion. Now, Daniel had been through much. He was separated from his family. He had been captive in a strange land. He had faced difficult leaders, Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar. He went through uh, false accusations, the lion's den. But through it all, Daniel saw the hand of God. And he said that God was working all things together for his good to those that love the Lord. Now we're living in some difficult days of confusion, times when many are losing sight of God and losing hope and losing commitment unto the Lord. And so what we need today are some Daniels that get along with God that can have some discernment in the midst of it and understand, my friend, no matter what happens around me, my God reigns. My Jesus is Lord. 
My Lord is not finished. He's still at work. He still works all things together for good. He still saves souls. He still gives revival to those that will seek Him. He still blesses churches that will walk with Him. He still honors families that will be alone with the Lord. And we need those that will seek the face of God, find God's wisdom, find comfort, find answers in these difficult days. And like David or Daniel, able to discern the times and able to help others through the difficulties that are ahead. Now, friend, if we're where it seems to be in this time table, there may be some difficult times ahead. But those like Daniel that will walk with God can have the discernment for such a day, for such a time, and be able to guide and help others through it. Now go back to Daniel 9 and verse number 4. Daniel 9 verse 4, Daniel says, I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, notice the statement, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. See, that's what God is looking for. He's looking for somebody that is just going to trust him and love him and obey Him. And where God finds that heart, and where God finds that church, and where God finds that family, God will bless those lives. And so I would challenge this morning, make sure of your salvation. Know that you know that you're saved. We're coming to some strong delusion, and sadly, Matthew chapter 7 speaks of a time when many will say unto me, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, in thy name done many wonderful works. There are multitudes with a false hope of salvation. And I, need the, I feel the need to strongly warn, let a man examine himself, whether he be in the faith. You don't want to play Russian roulette with your soul. We're coming to times you need to know that you know that you know that you're saved. And you need to have a biblical salvation. Uh, not a salvation that is anchored in your emotions or your feelings or ups and downs. But a salvation that is based firmly upon the word of God. Thus saith the Lord. Feelings come, feelings go, feelings are deceiving. But the word of God is the same yesterday, today and forever. And so make sure your salvation and beyond salvation, there ought to be a surrender. Luke chapter 14 talks about the cost of discipleship. If any man come to me and love not or, and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. What the Lord is saying, we need to have a love for him that is above our love for anything and anyone else. He says, uh, as we come after him, we are to... Uh, lay down our cross daily and follow him. He says that we are be, to be willing as disciples to forsake all. It's going to take a full surrender for the days ahead. And in that uh, surrender, there ought to be a separation. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, uh, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is acceptable and perfect will of God. And he tells us, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Uh, I remember uh, this would have been probably my sophomore, junior year, high school, playing football. And some of the players got to goofing off at practice. And I remember a coach pulling us aside. And he said, all right, boys. He said, you're going to goof off like that. Somebody's going to get hurt. 
you need to listen up here. It was a couple of the guys that didn't pay attention to coach, and they went out goofing off, and one of them broke his leg and not, didn't get to play football that, that year. And coach came back and said, I told you what was going to happen. See, I think we're headed to some days ahead that there are going to be some people with some broken legs because you've not been serious about your Christianity and your walk with God. We're coming to some strong delusions and deceptions. It's going to take a full surrender and commitment to the Lord. You can't serve the Lord and the world at the same time. You're going to have to make up your mind. Who are you going to serve? Who are you going to walk with? And I believe the Lord is, is challenging us, and we're going to be going through the book of Revelation, some very important sections as we look at this strong delusion that's taking place. It's going to take a full surrender and commitment unto the Lord. I remember hearing the story of a man, World War II, and I would visit with him, and he told me the background. He fought in World War II, and, and uh, amazing stories and God's protection of him, but he he told about hearing of Hitler and Germany. And the fear that gripped his heart, he was fearful that Germany was about to overtake Europe. And that if they overtook Europe, it was just a short step away to conquer America and the world. And he said, along with others of my friends, I went and I enlisted because I wanted to fight for my nation and for my freedoms. See, our forefathers had insight into our God-given liberty. We witnessed that on film here this morning. They pledged their lives, their fortunes, their sacred honor, and it cost them very dearly. Here's where I'm going with this. May God raise up some servants that will enlist in God's army and fight in this spiritual war and make an impact here in this war, this strong delusion, in this day when multitudes are going to be taken captive, but God will use the Daniels to make a strong impact. May God raise up some men and women, boys and girls, just at an old-fashioned altar, come and say, Lord, I'm yours. I'll be what you want me to be. Go where you want me to go. But Lord, I'm yours. There's Daniel's brother for his nation that led to his prayer and his confession, his intercession for nation, and then God gave him discernment into his purpose for that nation. That's what God will do through a committed Daniel. With their heads bowed, eyes closed this morning, may we go to the Lord this morning in prayer. The